Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here on the podcast every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. Now, you guys, for today's case, as you can tell by the title, we are diving in to one of the most ultimate betrayal cases cases that we have ever uncovered. This truly is a case that's going to leave your head spinning. Even though it is solved, it's going to leave you with more questions than we have answers. And I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. So as you can tell by the title, today we are talking about the solved murder of AJ Hadsall. So let's get right on into it today. Angelica Hadsall, also known as AJ, was born on August 9th of 1996 in Chesapeake, Virginia to her mom, Jennifer Wright. AJ grew up as the oldest out of her siblings and grew up in the town of Norfolk, Virginia, which if Norfolk sounds familiar, it is because it is where Liz Sullivan, our case from two weeks ago, was also from as well. Now, at the time of this case, AJ was a freshman in college attending Longwood University, where she excelled playing softball and field hockey. While she was at Longwood, she loved spending her time umpiring for different little league teams and also loved volunteering for different charities when she wasn't hanging out with her family or her friends. AJ was known as being outgoing and motivated and very driven. She had dreams and hoped to graduate with a double major in just three years. Now, growing up, AJ never had a relationship with her biological father. She was raised by a single mother, her mom, Jennifer, up until she was about a year and a half when she met her first stepfather, a man named Zach. Now, Zach and Jennifer were married for about seven years before their marriage ended in a pretty nasty divorce. After the divorce, Jennifer went on to meet a new man, a man named Wesley had soul. When it came to Wesley and Jennifer's relationship, they definitely were full speed ahead. They ended up getting married just one month after meeting each other, and not long after that did Wesley go through the process of legally adopting AJ, hence why they have the same last name. Now, according to AJ's friends, when Wesley legally adopted her, AJ was really excited about this. She was overjoyed, and she finally felt like she was able to have a stable father figure in her life which was something she felt like she had been lacking for all these years. Now, something else to note about AJ in this time period of her life is that she was also going through the process of breaking up with her long-term boyfriend named Josh Campbell. Now, according to AJ's family and friends, AJ was head over heels in love with Josh and was definitely struggling from the breakup. So as you can imagine, being a freshman in college and trying to navigate that new sense of normalcy alongside going through a pretty massive breakup in her life, AJ was definitely just trying to navigate. She was trying to figure things out. It was definitely a tough transitional period for her. And not only that, AJ was having some trouble at home. Right around the time of her disappearance, AJ learned that her stepdad, Wesley, 
had been caught abusing hardcore drugs, specifically heroin. And because of this, Jennifer ended up kicking Wesley out of the house and he went to stay at a nearby hotel. Now, this was very hard for AJ to grasp and come to terms with, and she was very disappointed in Wesley. Again, this was someone that she looked to as a father figure. It was someone that she looked to as a sense of stability for her, and she definitely was disappointed that it appeared that he had just turned her family upside down. So now with this backstory, let's get into where this case really begins, which is on March 2nd of 2015. Now, during this time, AJ was home from college on spring break and she was staying in her family home. However, again, things were a little different because Wesley was no longer at the house. He was staying at a nearby hotel. So it was just AJ, her mom, and her younger siblings. Now, the morning of March 2nd really began as any normal morning. AJ's mom, Jennifer, woke up and took the younger kids to school at approximately 7 a.m. before heading in to work and leaving AJ at home. Now, several hours later in the afternoon, Wesley ended up meeting AJ at a nearby gas station to give her $200 that she had asked for. Now, like we know, Wesley was out of the house and not allowed back at home, so him and AJ needed to find a meeting spot, and that was the gas station. Now, while AJ didn't really specify what exactly she needed this $200 for, Wesley claimed that he gave her the money with no questions asked because he really just wanted to get back on AJ's good graces. He was trying to repair and mend the relationship after disappointing her with the drug use. Now, once leaving the gas station, Wesley and AJ went their separate ways, Wesley returning back to work and AJ returning back to Jennifer's home. However, to Jennifer's surprise, several hours later when she arrived back at the house, AJ was nowhere to be found. When Jennifer arrived at the home, the door was unlocked and there was also a pile of laundry that you could tell was in the middle of being folded, just sitting on the couch. Along with that, AJ's wallet, all of her money, and her coat were sitting in the living room. Now, there also was one more thing that Jennifer discovered, and that was a note that was left on the kitchen counter that was seemingly written by AJ. The note said, quote, Madre, with everything going on, it's just a lot to deal with. End quote. Now, when Jennifer saw this note, she was extremely confused. Jennifer was not one to leave notes behind. She was not one to just up and leave at all. She always would tell someone when she was going somewhere, where she was going, who she was going to be with. So for Jennifer to come home and not see AJ at the house was definitely unsettling, especially alongside having this very cryptic note left behind. Now, it was at this time that Jennifer ended up texting texting Wesley, asking him if he had heard from AJ. Wesley wrote Jennifer back, telling her that the last time that he saw AJ was at the gas station. Wesley at this time began texting AJ's phone, trying to see where she was, because again, Wesley himself also knew that this was very unlike AJ. She would not just up and leave. She would not run away from home. Regardless of some of the hardships that she was facing,
facing and the adversity that she was going through at the time, she was not one to just up and run away. Now, when Wesley began texting AJ's phone, this is when more worry and confusion began to take place because AJ was responding back very vague and cryptic text messages. According to Wesley, AJ began texting him back saying things like, I just need some time or things aren't like how they used to be. It was very vague responses without telling anyone where she was or who she was with. And that obviously led to more worry and suspicion. Now, because of all of this suspicion, Jennifer immediately called police to file a missing persons report. When detectives arrived to the home, Jennifer showed the detectives the note that AJ had left behind. And while Jennifer claimed that the note did appear to be in AJ's handwriting, she made a point to say that AJ leaving a note behind was very unlike her. She was not one to write a note even saying, going to the store, going to a friend's house. She never left notes behind. Along with that, Jennifer also told police about the cryptic and bizarre text messages that AJ was texting Wesley. Jennifer claimed that even though AJ's phone technically was texting back, the verbiage just did not sound like her. Now, Jennifer went on to explain all of the things that were going on in AJ's life at the time. She explained to them about the breakup she was going through. She talked about Wesley's drug use. She talked about being a freshman in college. And with this information, it probably will not surprise you that the first person that police wanted to speak to was AJ's ex-boyfriend, Josh Campbell. Police brought Josh in for an interview, and when they did so, they were very put off by Josh's demeanor. They claimed that Josh's personality was very nonchalant and that he seemed less than interested to be involved or have any desire to really speak with police about his recent ex-girlfriend's disappearance, which definitely seemed odd to them. Even though Josh and AJ were going through a breakup, police expected him to be a little bit more concerned. However, that was not being shown whatsoever. Ever. But regardless, Josh was really not giving police anything to work with, and he claimed that he had nothing to do with AJ's disappearance. So ultimately, they had to let him go and move on in their investigation. Now, weirdly enough, just several days after AJ went missing and after this interview with Josh, there was a different ex boyfriend of AJ's named Corey, who was walking home from work one day when, weirdly enough, he spotted a credit card on the side of the road. And when he turned over the credit card, he was confused to see that the card belonged to AJ. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place.
Now, because Norfolk is a small community, at this point, Corey was made aware of the fact that AJ was missing. So he reported this card and gave it in to police and they collected it as evidence. Now, when Jennifer and Wesley got word about Corey discovering AJ's credit card, they definitely pressed police and wanted them to look into Corey because it seemed a little too coincidental that an ex-boyfriend of AJ's would discover her credit card after she went missing. However, even Corey claimed when he gave the card to police that he hadn't seen AJ in months prior to her disappearance and that even though they were exes, they were still friends. They ran in the same friend group. They were still in the same circle. So it wasn't like they had a bad breakup or any animosity towards each other. They still considered each other to be friends. However, Corey claimed that he hadn't seen AJ in months. Now, alongside of all of this, everyone in the community really came together to look for AJ. There were search parties being held with all of her friends and others in the community. There were balloon releases in her honor. And while Jennifer was definitely handling things more behind the scenes in the investigation, meaning she was very one-on-one with the investigators and the detectives, it was definitely Wesley who was leading the charge in regards to the media. He was the one calling the news stations, letting them know when they were going to have search parties, where these search parties were going to take place. And he was very, very open to talking to anyone who would really listen, quite frankly, in doing interviews, talking to the press. He definitely wasn't shy towards the cameras in any way. So now we're about a week into the investigation, and this is when things really begin to change. About a week into the investigation, police receive a call from a friend of AJ's whose name is Andre. Now, like I mentioned, AJ really had a tight-knit group of friends, and Andre was a part of that friend group. Now, another person who was a part of that friend group, as I just mentioned, was Corey, AJ's ex-boyfriend. Now, when Andre called authorities, he told them that he had recently been over to Corey's house and found none other than AJ's jacket at Corey's house. Now, the importance of this jacket was because this is what Wesley claimed to be the last thing that he remembers seeing AJ wearing the day that she went missing. This was the jacket that Wesley said AJ was wearing when he met her at the gas station. And now Andre is telling police that this same jacket was found in Corey's living room. Now, at first, this sounded to be a really big break in the case. They ultimately went over to Corey's home and brought him down to the police station for some additional questioning while they continued to search through his house. And it was during this search that police found the jacket right where Andre claimed it would be, which was behind the couch cushion in Corey's living room. So now Corey is at the police station and there is an interview being conducted, which very quickly turned into an interrogation. It was in this interview that police told Corey that they discovered AJ's jacket at his home and to give up the act, they knew he had something to do with it. And according to police, when Corey saw AJ's jacket, he had a very abrupt physical 
initial reaction. When seeing the jacket, Corey leaned back, he threw his hands in the air, and he swore out loud to police. He claimed that he had no idea where this jacket came from, he never saw this jacket before, and even with it being straight in front of him, he adamantly denied having anything to do with it or anything to do with AJ's disappearance. Now, as you can imagine, this was not looking great for Corey at this point because the only response that he had to why the jacket would have been in his house was, I don't know. Each time police asked, why is the jacket in your home? He would continuously say, I don't know. I don't know how it got there. So as you can imagine, this only really created more suspicion around Corey. Now, even though police did have this jacket and they found it in Corey's home, they really had no other evidence to go off of except this jacket. They had no other evidence to prove that Corey and AJ were ever together, that they ever met up. And so ultimately, they had to let him go. They could not hold Corey. Now, Wesley, AJ's stepdad, when he heard that police let Corey go, he was not happy with this decision in the slightest. Wesley actually responded to this by parking outside of Corey's house after Corey returned home and stood outside all night with an air horn that he continuously sounded off. Wesley even went as far as ordering a pizza and asked the pizza restaurant to write I know what you did in the pizza box and deliver it to Corey's home. Now, when it came to Wesley's behavior, while it did seem excessive to some, others really understood the circumstance. They understood that if their daughter went missing, if their loved one, if their family member went missing, they would more than likely want to or simply act the same way Wesley was. So they really gave him a pass on his behavior because of the circumstance that was going on. So now police have looked into Josh Campbell, they've looked into Corey, and the next person that they really wanted to look into was Zach, who was AJ's first stepfather. Like I mentioned in the beginning, Zach came into AJ's life when she was about a year and a half old, and he was her stepfather for about seven years. Zach claimed that when AJ was around two years old, she started calling him dad, and Zach considered AJ to be his daughter. Now, after Jennifer and Zach got married, they did have two more children together, which is what made AJ the eldest child, and AJ was super excited about being an older sister sibling and she was an incredible big sister. Now, when AJ was around eight years old is when Jennifer and Zach began having some marital problems, which ultimately led to divorce. Now, like I mentioned in the beginning, this was definitely not the most cordial or civil divorce. There was a lot of tension and animosity that came from this divorce. And not only did it lead to Jennifer and Zach's relationship to end, but it also led to AJ and Zach's relationship, their father-daughter relationship, to abruptly end as well. Now, not only did this divorce cause Jennifer and Zach's relationship to end, but it also caused any relationship between Zach and AJ to abruptly end as well. The father-daughter relationship that they had, the one that was the only one that AJ knew for her entire life, was also 
over. And Zach claimed that after the divorce, watching Jennifer move on with Wesley and watching him really take in on this father role figure towards AJ definitely felt like a slap in the face to the relationship that he had with AJ, this father-daughter relationship that he had for the majority of her childhood. It definitely felt like a slap in the face to that. Now, police brought Zach in multiple times and conducted multiple different interviews with him because they truly felt that if anyone was to have a motive in this, it could have potentially been Zach. He could have had animosity towards the divorce, wanted to get revenge on Jennifer, wanted to hurt AJ. They felt like he would have the most potential motive. However, after multiple of these interviews and not finding him to be linked to this case at all, they ultimately had to move on in their investigation. So now we're about three weeks into the investigation, and here is where things really started to take a turn. Around this time, police received a phone call from someone calling in a tip, claiming that they found articles of clothing on the side of the road that seemingly belonged to AJ. These articles of clothing included a pair of gym shorts and a bra. Now, the person who called police to let them know about the missing clothing, that would, again, be Andre. Now remember, Andre was also the friend who called police to let them know about the jacket that he found in Corey's house. So now, not only has Andre called in about the jacket, but he's now also calling in about articles of clothing belonging to AJ on the side of the road. They began to raise suspicion around the fact that the same person who discovered the articles of clothing on the side of the road was the same person who discovered AJ. AJ's jacket. It just seemed a little too coincidental, and it seemed to be weird that this one person would be finding the most key pieces of evidence in this case. Because again, police really had no other evidence other than the jacket and now this clothing. And to know that both of these findings came from the same person was very unsettling. So because of this, police decide that they now want to bring Andre in and ask him a few questions. Now, immediately upon sitting down, Andre claimed that he could tell that this was not just an interview, but more so an interrogation. He claimed that he could automatically tell the police were raising suspicion around him because of his findings. And it was because of this that he finally decided that he needed to let police in on a little secret that he had been keeping. And when I say little secret, I more so mean that he was about to drop a bomb in this case. It was at this time that Andre told police that him discovering AJ's jacket at Corey's house didn't necessarily go how he initially told police it did. Andre then went on to tell police that it was AJ's stepfather, Wesley, who had approached Andre and told him that he had broken into Corey's home because of his strong suspicion that Corey had something to do with AJ's disappearance. Andre claimed that Wesley went on to tell him that while he was in the house, he discovered AJ's jacket inside of Corey's home. Wesley told Andre that he could not go to police himself and tell them about what he found 
found because he was afraid of getting arrested for breaking and entering, but wanted to tell Andre, a third party, so that Andre could go to Corey's house, see the jacket for himself, and contact police. So just to break that down, according to Andre, Wesley broke into Corey's house because of this strong inkling, strong suspicion, found the jacket, and told Andre, someone who's completely unrelated in this case, told Andre about the jacket and told him to call police because of it. Now, as you can imagine with this new piece of information, this really prompted police to start doing a deep dive into Wesley. They wanted to know about him. They wanted to know about his criminal record. And when they did, they discovered that Wesley did have a pretty lengthy criminal record when it came to breaking and entering. And this started from when he was a juvenile. Wesley had robbed a bank. He had burglarized different businesses. So this was not the first time that he had broken into someone else's property. Along with this, police also looked into Wesley's behavior throughout the investigation, and they started to see things a little differently. From the very beginning, they felt like Wesley had been purposefully inserting himself into AJ's investigation. And while some people could argue that he was a concerned dad and he wanted to know what happened to his daughter, others would say, and police said, that it was a little too much than what you would normally expect. And it more so came off that AJ was inserting himself into the investigation because he wanted to know about what was happening. He wanted to know what police knew. He wanted to be a step ahead of police at all times. So because of this, police decided that they wanted to look into the surveillance cameras at the gas station that Wesley claimed to have met AJ at. As I said in the beginning, on March 2nd, Wesley claimed that he met his stepdaughter AJ at a gas station to give her $200. Now, up until this point, no one really ever questioned this piece of the timeline because no one ever had a reason to question this piece of the timeline. So now police obtain the security footage and they look at the entire day on March 2nd. They look at several hours prior to when Wesley claimed that he was at the gas station. They looked at several hours after Wesley claimed that he was at the gas station. And not only did they not see AJ anywhere on this footage, but they never saw Wesley or Wesley's car anywhere on the surveillance footage from this gas station. And so this really dismantled Wesley's entire story and really all of his credibility. So now police are gathering evidence against Wesley, and even though they don't have enough evidence to charge him with connection to AJ's disappearance, they were able to arrest him for breaking and entering into Corey's home. So now that Wesley had been arrested, this gave police access into Wesley's hotel room where he had been staying, along with his work van. Now in Wesley's hotel room, police found ammunition, which legally Wesley was not supposed to have considering he was a convicted felon on those breaking and entering charges. Now, along with that in his van, police also discovered a GPS device. When finding this GPS device, police were able to look at the data that was on the device and they looked at a few days leading up to AJ's disappearance as well as afterwards. And for the most part, everything seemed normal. Wesley seemed to be going down his normal routes, doing his normal shifts. However, 
there was one route that Wesley took that really stood out to police. This route in particular appeared suspicious because it took police an hour and a half outside of Norfolk and it led them to an abandoned house. Now, when police arrived to this abandoned house, they immediately went out to the property and began canvassing the area. And that is when police came across what they describe to be a waterway. There was a small waterway in the back of the home and it had a giant piece of plywood over it. So this big piece of plywood was on top of this waterway and it appeared to be acting as somewhat of a makeshift bridge. And when police lifted up the plywood. It was there that the detective discovered AJ's body lying face down in the water. At the time that her body had been discovered, AJ had been missing for five weeks. So because of this and because of the conditions that she endured being outside and in water, her body was badly decomposed. When looking at AJ's body, her pants had been pulled down to her knees, which indicated to police a possible sign of sexual assault. Now, because it was Wesley's GPS that brought police to the exact house that AJ was discovered at, police now had enough evidence to go through and arrest Wesley for the murder of AJ. So now with this new information, now that they have discovered Wesley's body, now that they had the GPS, now that everything was starting to be pieced together, police tried to go back to March 2nd, 2015, the day that AJ went missing, and really piece together what they believe to have had happened that day. Now when doing so, detectives decided to pull surveillance footage from a local 7-Eleven that was close to the Hadsel residence. And it was after combing through this footage that police found Wesley's truck driving to his home around noon on March 2nd. Police theorized that this was Wesley leaving work and going back home, knowing that AJ was going to be home alone and thinking that this would be the perfect time to abduct her. They assumed that Wesley had AJ write that note that she left for her mom to make it appear that she left on her own. Footage later showed Wesley driving away from the home at 1.27 p.m., so the entirety of this abduction took place in a little under an hour and a half. Now, police believe that when Wesley was driving away from the home at 127, that AJ was in his work van still alive, and that at some point over the next several hours, Wesley murdered his stepdaughter AJ before driving her out to an abandoned home and leaving her body in a ditch. Police also believe that it was, in fact, Wesley who was texting himself off of AJ's phone, which is why the verbiage that AJ was using in those texts did not sound like her. Now, when the autopsy was concluded, it showed that AJ died of heroin poisoning as well as homicidal violence. AJ had three times the lethal amount of heroin in her system, as well as bruising all over her face and neck. However, the medical examiner was not able to determine if AJ had been sexually assaulted due to the stage of decomposition that her body was in. 
Now, after the autopsy was concluded, police did speak with Wesley's heroin dealer who told them that he had sold Wesley heroin shortly around the time that AJ went missing. And along with that, police also discovered heroin hiding inside of the ceiling of Wesley's hotel room. Now, it was with this information that police were able to theorize a motive. And that potential motive was that police believe that Wesley had an obsession with AJ. They believe that on March 2nd, it's possible that Wesley made advances towards AJ, which she rejected, and ultimately it resulted in Wesley pinning AJ down and injecting her with heroin that poisoned and killed her before taking her body out to an abandoned home and burying her in a ditch. So now in 2019, three years after AJ's murder, Wesley's trial began. The defense claimed that there was no evidence that showed that Wesley had an obsession with AJ or was in love with AJ at any point. However, the prosecution presented the evidence that I shared with you today. During the trial, AJ's mom, Jennifer, took the stand and she explained how she and Wesley met in 2010 and then the two of them got married after just a month after meeting each other and shortly after had their first child. She went on to explain that she kicked Wesley out of the house shortly prior to AJ's murder after discovering that he was using drugs. She went on to say that she attempted to conduct an intervention for Wesley that included his mom and nephew. However, they never got around to doing that. She claimed that on the weekend of March 2nd, she picked up her daughter AJ from Longwood University to spend spring break at home with her family. Jennifer continued on by saying that on the day that AJ disappeared, Wesley had called Jennifer, telling her that he needed to drop off his personal truck at the house and pick up his work truck that was also still at home. Now, Jennifer agreed to let him do this because it pertained to work, but told Wesley to stay out of the house and to leave his truck keys in the mailbox just in case AJ needed to go somewhere. However, she explained that later on that afternoon when she got home, AJ was gone. Jennifer went on to explain that AJ was a happy-go-lucky girl and she never used any drugs. Jennifer did go on to say that she doesn't believe that Wesley ever sexually assaulted AJ or made any inappropriate advances towards AJ. Now, the last person to testify was a forensic investigator named Matthew Burnham, who explained that inside of Wesley's work van, along with finding the GPS system, police also discovered a hair tie and a picture of AJ. Now, after closing arguments were made and only 40 minutes of deliberations, the jury found Wesley guilty of the murder of AJ. Now, even after this guilty verdict, Wesley maintains that he had nothing to do with this, that he was framed, that he had absolutely no involvement in his stepdaughter's murder whatsoever. Wesley even appeared on an episode of Dateline where he explained that even though it was his GPS system, he can't explain why it was at that abandoned home or how it got there because he claims he was never there. When the, when the reporter told Wesley that there were people out there who thought that he was a monster, Wesley responded with, quote, well, people have opinions end quote. Now, is it shocking that even now Wesley is trying to do interviews and get in front of the camera? No, but I digress. 
On April 4th of 2018, Wesley Hadsell was sentenced to life in prison plus 15 years for the murder of A.J. Hadsell. And that, you guys, is the case. As I said in the beginning, it is the ultimate case of betrayal. Wesley, who was trying to portray himself as the concerned stepfather, staying outside of the ex-boyfriend's home, taunting him on pizza boxes and threatening him and being in front of the cameras and leading the search parties, all for it to turn around and be him himself who was responsible for this. And to even go as far as planting the jacket, planting AJ's jacket, in the ex-boyfriend's home, having a third party, you know, speak to police, call in the tip lines. It just is wild that someone who is that close to the family, someone who is that close to the inner circle, someone who was able to legally adopt her would turn around and do such vicious and horrific acts towards her. And I'm really interested to hear what you guys think to be the motive in this case. Do you believe it was obsession or do you believe that this had something to do with drugs? Maybe AJ saw something she wasn't supposed to see. Maybe she knew something that she wasn't supposed to know. I can only imagine how terrified AJ was in those final moments, having to write that note out to her mom, pretending that she was running away, knowing good and well that that was not the case, must have been a horrific last few moments of her life. But luckily, even though it does not bring any closure to this case or bring AJ back, justice was served in the end. And I am very curious to hear what you guys have to say about this in regards to the why of this case in regards to all of this case truly but definitely curious to know what your thoughts are on the motive of this case but with that being said you guys that is all for me today thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of killer instinct again if you're new here hi my name is savannah and i'm your host of killer instinct make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't that way you never miss an episode again we post weekly on the podcast every single wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it i'll be back next week with a brand new one for you guys and until then stay Stay safe. Bye, guys.